Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. On a Monday, we got to break down USC Trojan football, spring football 2022 with the spring game that was held in the Coliseum on Saturday live on ESPN in front of a national television audience. We're going to do that with the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. We got him on the line, so we're going to get all of his thoughts on what happened at USC spring game, kind of put a bow on that and then look forward to the off season, the, the summer workouts, the recruiting, the transfer portal, and all that stuff heading into the 2022 football season. If you have any questions or comments for the show, please email us podcast at uscfootball.com. You can call or text us at 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail or a text message. And if you have the Apple podcasting app, please follow and subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. It really does help Grow the show. If you got Spotify, you can leave us five stars now there too, or wherever you listen to the podcast. We appreciate that. And you know, maybe tell a friend, let them know, hey, these guys know what they're talking about when it comes to USC football. One guy that definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to USC football is the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing great, buddy. And again, uh, I want to thank everybody for being a part of our huddle here on Mondays. And I look forward to being with all of you out there. You know, we just call the play. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The head coach always takes the credit for it, and when it's bad, the head coach gets uh, the credit for that too. <laughs> so so that, that's the way it works in this in the world of football. But as you said, Ryan, it goes year round; it never goes away. Uh, there's always recruiting. There's academics. There's nutrition. There's the whole package that goes along with it. The evaluation of everything that happened on Saturday, from top to the bottom. From riding the buses to the Coliseum to the locker room to where they take the, took the field, uh, did the headsets work perfectly? Do they like the setup the way the headsets were as far as with communication with the fields? Do they like the side of the field? Do they like the regular side? Do they want this side? How about the band? Did the band do things right? There's a checklist that a head football coach goes through completely after you prepare for a game. And this is exactly what... Lincoln Riley was doing on Saturday, and I was very impressed with his organization. I was impressed with all the different things that happened, and I'm sure he's going through uh, this checklist to make sure it's improved. Because as he says, you can improve on everything, and I'm sure there's a lot of things both off and on the field that happened on Saturday that he's going to talk to his coaches about, the administration about, and all of the above. But one thing I've got to say okay. Before we get started, the most impressive thing I was impressed with on Saturday was the George Lucas Museum. My 
goodness. As I don't know how many people have seen that thing. Ryan, you've seen it. But my gosh, is that some type of facility? I understand it's $1.5 billion. Whoa. That thing is just overshadows. I mean, it's right next to the Coliseum. It is something spectacular. So if you drive by there and you wonder what it is, it's a George Lucas Museum. Have you seen that yet? Have you seen it? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not done yet, but you can see it. No, no. It looks like a spaceship or something there. But I'm wondering if the pandemic uh, kind of, because it it was supposed to open, I thought, like a year or two after the Coliseum was done. Uh, So maybe the pandemic kind of... uh, slowed it down or something, but I didn't realize it was that much money, 1.5 billion or whatever, 1.2 billion. I mean, it's an impressive looking facility, but yeah, I was, I was hoping it'd be done by now, but it's still not done. looks like SoFi. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It's that big. It's beautiful. And of course it's, it is a star Wars, uh, version of the uh, mother ship or whatever you call it. That was, was it the millennium space? Falcon? Is it supposed to be? Yeah. The yeah. That's what it is. I'm a and big it's star Wars guy. That's cool. Like, that'll be neat. It, it, it's absolutely, you know, when you when George Lucas does anything along with USC, it's going to be spectacular, and that really is. I can't wait to get in there. I don't know what they're going to put in there that's that big. I really don't know, but it certainly is a, a beautiful facility, and I, I got I had to get that in. Okay, hey, I had to get that in. Okay, now let's move on. Starting out with museums here on our breakdown of the USC spring game. Um, so overall, I mean, the you're talking about like the organization of what you saw out there, but those initial thoughts of this is a, it's different, right? I mean, it's, if you go into a restaurant, the the head chef, like there's going to be touches all over the place that the head chef has his hands on or her hands on. And I think in this case, Lincoln Riley had his hands on a lot of the aspects of the spring game. Um, what are some of the things you noticed that might be different or something that you liked uh, from where they do it. I mean, it was, uh, the attendance was 33,427 record crowd, um, for a spring game. I mean, I remember the Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart days, they got like 15,000 for a spring game. It just wasn't that big of a deal. I think fans just really wanted to come back and see something from this Lincoln Riley, you know, get some feel of what it's going to be like, but your overall thoughts of what, you know, his finishing touches or whatever he put his touches on the spring game that, that impressed you. Well, first of all, uh, you know, uh, this is the same group of people that are out there broadcasting and talking and not the same group of administrators that said, well, when Graham Harrell came in, the run and shoot is coming to the USC. It's going to be great. They're going to throw the ball around. We're going to win games and this and that. And the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. And uh, we talked about it on all of our shows and we were critical at times. In fact, I I second-guessed all the time, so I admit that right now. I never thought that the air raid would win. But a combination of a portion of the air raid and with a running game and quick screens and misdirection plays, which we saw a very vanilla offense of what he does. What he wanted to do is have uh, uh, recognition uh, of what he does, how he does it, uh, the defense was, uh, you know, at first sort of in shock as far as with the effectiveness of uh, Williams as far as throwing the ball. But when they settled down, it was much better. They did a few more things on the defensive side of the football to give them a better opportunity to stop them. And it was something that I really liked. And what I liked is I didn't see any illegal procedures, people jumping off sides, all the holding penalties by the offensive line, 
as everybody knows, there was only two penalties in the entire scrimmage or game. And when I say scrimmage, it wasn't a scrimmage. I felt like I was at a football game. For the first time in I don't know how many years, I felt like their spring practice, final spring practice, was a football game. Where they brought people to the ground, they cared, they were energetic, they got on and off the field, he ran the offense, the defense ran the defense. When the quarterbacks came off the field, they were with the quarterback coach, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach talking as far as how they make their adjustments and comparing notes. It was organized to a point where you could see this guy's done it before, okay? This guy's done it before, and the coaches and assistant coaches that are part of his staff have done it before. They understand what it is to be on the big stage. Before, I didn't think the people that were there knew what it was to be on the big stage, Broadway. They were used to being, uh, you know, on the backside of it. But this, to me, on Saturday, it gave me an opportunity to see, you know, techniques, uh, not losing contain. Uh, of course, they were very protective of their quarterback, no cheap shots anywhere. They tackled well in the open field. Uh, that one uh, targeting was not a targeting. It was a great play. And, you know, no one argued about it. No one got up. And I didn't see much dancing in the end zone. I only saw one dance, guy dance a little bit. And that was Jones when he scored a touchdown. None of the celebrating first down. None of the celebrating up and down. Uh, no uh, uh, talking back and forth with each other. And these are the things I look at as a football coach. I mean, they're a football team. They're not trying to beat each other. They're trying to help each other get better. And I think if you people watch it on television or if you people were at the game itself, you could recognize these things. I recognize these things immediately. A lot of people don't recognize these things as far as the uh, discipline and attitude of the players on how they're working together and playing the game of football, not worrying about all me all the time. It's we all the time. And you either win or lose together, whatever. So I think he's planted a foundation where people understand this. Because I look at this program now, and he is the type of guy that no one single individual is more important than the entire program, except for Caleb Williams. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean to say uh, he's everything that everybody thought he was going to be. He's the next great star in Southern California, which you have to have to compete in the Southern California market with all the competition you have here. People will come out just to watch him. I think the national television broadcast was great as far as the recognition of USC's football program and the direction it's going as far as what they saw in the Coliseum and uh, all the recruits throughout the country. They Everybody wanted to see what it was all about. All this music in Southern California about USC coming back. And then when you heard the announcers, talking about, hey, the Pac-12's got to have USC. Everyone in the Pac-12 knows you got to have USC be the number one team. Well, they're doing the recruiting for you. And the announcers were even partial as far as to USC, as far as how good they were going to be in this and that. Maybe to a point of a little bit trying too hard. Trying too hard. Let it happen. Don't light the torch yet. Don't uh, lead the band yet. You haven't beat anybody yet. You've been practicing. So don't do too many of these things too early. Don't light other programs' torches that want to beat you. So I think a lot of these little things that I look at as somebody that could point out things if I'm watching this with my team, 
I'd say, look at him. He's leading the band already. Or look at the torches lit already. Uh, I think he's a great kid. You'd never guess he's 19 years old. He sounds like he's 25 or 26. But all these little things, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, but you asked me to tell you what I saw, and this is what I saw. There was a lot. I mean, there's a lot in there, Coach, a lot of good all stuff. Right, I'll see you next week. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we're, we're done. Uh, no, the organization, I, I've done different radio shows talking about it, and it, I really looked at it. It sort of just looks like people know what they're doing. There's an organization part to it. There's a competency, like where you feel like if if you made me the head coach of USC football tomorrow, I'd be like, well, I know the steps. I know, like, okay, well, we got to do spring football practices. Let's do 15 spring practices. Uh, we have to do summer workouts and we have to do fall camp. Like, I feel like you could do that. I could get you through those things, but I would be going through the motions. I feel like there was a purpose to what they were doing, everything that they were doing leading up to the spring football practices, all the spring football practices, when they had full pads on, when they didn't. And all leading up to the spring game, which did, like you said, felt like more like a game. I just feel like the preparation had a purpose. And then you saw it on the field in a well-organized way, um, if that makes sense. No, it did. It makes sense completely. Even during the timeouts for national television, they entertained the fans by having uh, kids out there catch punts and uh, try to kick field goals and race up. Washington in the 40 as far as so people wouldn't sit there and say, man, there's a lot of timeouts. The people weren't uh, uh, entertained. It was something that was good. The players even got involved and were cheering for guys to catch the punt and this and that. It was very well organized. Uh, the, the stadium, I thought, was clean. You know me. I check out the restrooms. I check out everything, and things were there. We had a nice lunch in the press box, which is the first time in a long time for a spring game we've had any of that going on it was organized well so it uh it was an afternoon of enjoyment and i came home and watched it again on the replay on the, that i taped as far as the game because i enjoyed watching what i saw and i can't see everything in person there but i don't see the replays or watch all the other players but i saw something that i was looking forward to see and they've now planted the tree. The tree is going to grow and then bear fruit. So one of the things that we got to hear from the offensive line, and this is, you know, the criticisms that you've had in the past, I think, have been spot on. But you watch, uh, you talk to the offensive linemen, um, and you see what we got to see on the field, which I didn't get to see much of that, like because we don't get to watch much of practice up until the spring game. But, you know, we, I talked to, like, Cortland Ford, and he said, hey, man, we get to pull a lot more. We get to show our athleticism and run out. And then you would watch some of the run plays, and the left tackle and the left guard would pull. And then they would be the lead blockers and, you know, kicking out and open up holes for Travis Dye or Austin Jones or Darwin Barlow. And they're running downhill, and it just seemed like – and then the, the receivers are blocking on the edge, and they're trying to, uh, you know, get – that get the running back to the next level. Um, what did you see from the the kind of run game schemes? Is that is that what you expected, or you know, how different is that from what USC's done in the past? No, I, I was expecting them to have that because I've watched them play before, and that's what they do. They have a power type of offense where they pull. They have an outside zone read that they never had before. They they run inside. They do a lot of different things. They'll run bootleg off of that. They didn't show any of that. They showed one reverse just to keep the defense. Uh, uh, honest, and that went for uh, a lot of yards. So, no, they showed you a very plain p- 
picture of what they do on offense. You saw a couple of screens off the rush. They set it up and then slip the back out to the flat. He runs uh, for 20 yards or whatever he has to do off of it or breaks it for a big play. Uh, all they need to do is fine-tune it. All they need to do is add to it. And believe me, you just saw a little bit of the defense. You just saw a little bit of the offense, just enough to get good at it. Basically, they were very vanilla. They ran plain type of defensive uh, alignments, plain type of offensive plays. Uh, they didn't get real fancy. It was really good. The plays got in clear. Uh, there was no uh, delay of games or jumping off sides or uh, mismanage it because he wants him to learn and not make mistakes before he moves forward with more. Because if you don't learn the first part of it, you'll never learn the second part of it. Your athletes can't be thinking during the play. They've got to know it. So I think he's really going about it the right way. I'm not ready to cheer for national championships or any of that yet. I'm just saying the the planning of the uh, foundation, what I saw, and I haven't seen any of the practices, but what I saw as a picture on the field on Saturday was refreshing to see someone on the field and coaches on the field and players on the field acting like they should be at SC. Yeah. Um, anyone stand out to you on the uh, defensive side of the ball, either a newcomer or someone that's been around? I know like Nick Figueroa got some pressure on there. Um, Shane Lee looked like he was uh, – all over the place, the new you know middle linebacker, number 53, he was around the ball a lot. Uh, I love Caelan Bullock. He had an interception that got called back for a defensive penalty. But any, anyone kind of stand out to you? Well, you know, Lee's going to be a great player, but they played him off the line of scrimmage pretty far, so he had a trouble getting up there in the, in the action as far as dominating on the running game. So, you know, but he was around the football. He brings you great leadership. I watched him drop back and – Got to his zones and so on. He's very schooled on that and disciplined. I thought a linebacker that played pretty good is, I guess you pronounce his name, Numura. He put some hits Steven on Steven Numura, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he put a couple of hits and stepped up in there and did a did a heck of a job. So I was impressed with him. I thought he did a good job as far as someone, I believe, on the second unit that was out there. Uh, as far as the uh, new rush end, uh Height from uh, height, yeah, yeah. I saw him as far as some bright spots, as far as getting off the football. But he's got to get a, bit, a little bit of a better jump. But he'll get it. He'll get turns and he'll get better. Coy Foreman is still coming along. To me, he sort of looks like Drake Jackson. Still, he looks like a basketball player out there in a football uniform. So he's got to get a little bit more physical. But he was pretty sound fundamentally, which I didn't think he had last year. So I was happy with the way he got around. Uh, the receivers, uh, you know, well, you got to say the Williams kid from Oklahoma, they know each other. And uh, I think that the way they spread the ball around to different receivers were very impressive. And last year, if you remember, it was all London, all London, all London. I don't think this year it's going to be all Williams, all Williams either. I think they've got other receivers that are going to have uh, uh, a good, successful uh receiving numbers, and I, and I like Travis Dye. The reason I like him is I like him as the best back. It's because he's an all-pack 12 back. He knows what it's about. He's a man. Uh, he's caught passes. He, he knows how to run. In fact, they really didn't play him that much. Number 26 for all of you that watch the game. You don't want to lose him. I think they, they need to get a couple of backs, which they're going to get and bring in. So 
I think that's really important. I'll tell you the biggest position that they really need to fill is they've got to get Bobby Haskins ready to play. That's really key. Now, he came in and didn't play the entire spring. you got to have an offensive tackle. By having another offensive tackle, you're able to have another backup guy, too, at the same time. So he's got to play, yet he's got to come in and beat out Ford or, or uh, number 78. He's got to come in and beat him out. So these other kids are ahead of him. So, you know, that's the philosophy now at USC. It's not all of a sudden because you're all ACC audible mention, you're going to be the starting tackle at USC. And I think that's what it's all about. So, uh, you know, generally just off my head, uh, I would say that that's basically, uh, well, number 49, of course, he's always in the backfield. I'll tell you. Too late. Too late. Too late. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's a player. He, he likes the game of football. I mean, he's a football player. I mean, you know, he, he likes going to the stadium. He likes going to practice. So I don't have to say much about him because everybody knows about him. Uh, so that's why I am as far as the people I was impressed with uh, right off the top of my head, but you hit me cold with it. But, <laughs> and I'll tell you another thing. I thought uh, McCutcheon, the defensive back 21, would put a hat on you. I thought, I thought that transfer kid from Oklahoma, uh, you know, showed up. I think he showed up. And I like kids that show up and uh, – and uh, get it done. Yeah, Latrell McCutcheon. So he was actually started off as a corner, and they moved him to safety. And he had that great—he had a great hit, and they called him for targeting, kicked him out of the game. Uh, but he was back soon after that. So uh, yeah, it was when you only had two penalties, and one of them was a bogus targeting call. Yeah, um, that's very Pac-12. <laughs> that's a first, isn't it? Only that—that's a first two penalties. My I know. goodness, it was definitely seemed. Uh, you know, a little more organized. The fact that they were willing to throw that flag tells you they weren't like, you know, backing off. Like they could have called holding and things like that if there was going on. So the fact that they didn't seem to be any holding, that's a big, that's a big deal. There weren't the pre-snap penalties, things like that, lining up offsides. Um, also got to let, see- me, let me tell you another one I want to shout out. Oh yeah, to, go okay? ahead. I was just thinking about it when you were talking. Is Gibbs number sixty, the big kid from St. John Bosco? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really watch. I didn't see much of him. Yeah, I watched him. He played right guard, and that's just where he should be playing. The same position he played in high school. I tell you, he's big. He's lost weight. It looks like he's lost about fifty pounds to me. And uh, you know, he's great. He's he's going to be a great pass blocker, but you can't even see over his head or see around him. He's so big. So he gets in your way, and he's going to you know give you a solid front. Now he's getting a little bit quicker. And he looked like he was trying to get more aggressive. And I think eventually, in a year or two, I tell you, he's going to be a football player. So I'm going to just tell him, I don't know if he listens to this or not, but I don't want to pass by your effort. I thought you did a great job as a second uh, unit guy, and uh, and I'm happy for you. Nice. Uh, we're going to touch on special teams a little bit, too. Um, Alex Dadhouse, not bad. 55-yard field goal. Uh, you know, he. If you don't remember, he was the – backup kicker that got some spot duty last year um, when uh, Parker Lewis wasn't able to go. Either he got kicked out of a game because of the uh, personal foul penalty or um, the targeting thing that he had. I think it was the opening kickoff. Uh, or, you know, there's a, a game or two where he just wasn't able to go or didn't didn't play for some reason and Stathouse came in and, and played well. Um, he goes into the transfer portal essentially because he couldn't afford to be a walk-on at USC anymore. And then when Parker Lewis went in the portal, uh, Lincoln Riley did offer Alex Stadhouse a scholarship, but he comes back. And uh, I think he's going to be a solid kicker for USC. 
still got to work on the the punt game because you had um, you know Ben Griffiths, the punter from last year, wasn't able to. Uh, uh, he's he's into the you know he is uh, now at going to the NFL. They got a punter coming in from Australia uh, in the summer, but they didn't really have a, a you know they had the backup punter from last year. I forget his name. Um, but just any thoughts on special teams, coach, from what you saw? Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised he made that. That field goal may have gone 55, 60 yards. It went 55. It would have gone 60 yards. He got a nice hit on it. In fact, I was surprised they lined up and kicked it. But they did. They did it like a game situation. So, obviously, Lincoln Riley had a confidence to do it. But you never do a play that's going to embarrass a player. Or you don't. It's not the best thing for your team. So, obviously, he gave him that opportunity. He wanted to see what he'd do with it. And he made it. Now, down at the extra points, he struggled a little bit. Uh, getting him in there, they weren't down the middle. They hit one of the goals posts that went in and so on. So he needs to be a little bit more accurate. But those one-points make uh, PATs make such a difference in the game. And I have to agree with you. The punting, nothing against the kid that was punting, but it, it's not going to get it done. Okay, it's just not going to get it done uh, uh, during the season. So I hope, again, uh, that new kid coming in, uh, uh, can do a better job because it's so important field position today, especially with the explosive offenses that are out there. You've got to make somebody try to drive a long ways and hope that they make a mistake somewhere. Yeah. And then, so if people don't know, I mean, USC brought in uh, 13 players from the transfer portal uh, coming in, you know, to the spring football. And now the deadline is, is May 1st for players to enter their names into the portal. If you're not in the portal, by the beginning of May, uh, you can't transfer to another program and be eligible to play in this upcoming football season. So I think we're going to see some crazy stuff over the next couple of weeks. Watch for names that are entering the portal because that becomes public because we, you know, all the reporters we can uh, we get access to what's going on. Uh, we know if someone enters the portal, then we'll tweet it out. We'll put it on the message boards and things like that. And then over the coming weeks, it'll be the recruiting process happening where Lincoln Riley or whoever the coaches are calling these players, trying to get them to come on visits, trying to get them to commit to the school. And it's a much faster recruiting cycle than when you would be for high school. But USC did pick up uh, one new transfer already. Uh, Bryson Shaw is a safety from Ohio State that started 12 games uh, last year. I think it was third on the team in tackles. So they did already pick up a defensive back. There's probably going to be, I mean, Lincoln Riley said they're going to be double digit additions. So 10 more players added that we didn't see in the spring. Uh, so it should be a, a crazy, I don't know, a couple of months, I guess, coach, uh, leading up to uh, these summer workouts. Oh yeah. You got to get better every day. And I think this kid that's uh, coming in from Ohio State, he comes from a winning program. I think it's really important to come from winning programs as far as knowing what it, uh, how dedicated it is and the competition is there. And if you start 12 games at Ohio State, make nine tackles in the Rose Bowl game last year or against Utah, you've been there, you know what it is to go to the Rose Bowl. So you bring with you a sense of pride and you pick out USC, which means there's a reason you're coming, Okay. And I think that's great, and I think he'll add to it. And they also visited a defensive lineman from Nebraska that I know very little about. I mean, they don't have that great winning tradition. They did the tradition, but not uh, as far as the past couple of years. But obviously they must think that he is a pretty good individual player that would fit into their schemes, and I think they offered him, didn't they? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. I believe there was an offer recently for that. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I can't blank him. on his name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, right. A kid from Nebraska. I think he was at the scrimmage on Saturday. So, you know, as long as you get kids that have been there and played big-time football and know what it is and aren't afraid to come and compete. See, you've got to look at players who are uh, coming because they know this competition. That's what you want. You don't want players that are, that are uh, you know, oh, just coming to USC because it's USC, and that's what you have to be very careful of. And there'll be some players that leave USC because they just uh, know after watching the practices and being involved in the practices that this is where I should be, yeah. that I'm never going to play here. It's best for me to go somewhere else. So, you know, there's all that going on too. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll answer a few questions and give a few final thoughts on the spring game. Back in a minute. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Coach, we talked a lot about the spring game, what we saw, what we liked out there, um, some of the new players that made an impact. Our first question is from an email from Danny kind of about the players that aren't there anymore. So this is an interesting one to think about. He said, it was great to see the majority of the high-profile transfers thrive during the spring game. That being said, after reviewing the spring game, which transfer out will be most missed? Um, I'll give a thought here first, Coach. I would say uh, I didn't get to see a bunch of the – I saw little bits of the old Miss spring game. Jackson Dart did okay, but I don't know if he's going to win the, the job. Uh, but Michael Trigg uh, had a really big game. And I feel like any kind of big, strong receiver that, like, I think they would really thrive in this offense. And USC's got some really good receivers, but having a guy like Michael Trigg might have been, maybe that would have been the most important uh, guy that they've lost on the transfer out. But any any thoughts from you, Coach? No, you, you picked a, a good player, a good example, big target, good player. Uh, should have stayed, really at USC, but those guys, I think, were roommates, Dart and him, so uh, they went as a package, and that's what you got to do. That happens sometimes, and you don't want it to happen, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I think he he could have, he had great potential. I, I don't know if he did the right thing, but he did it, so wishing the best of luck, and all that does is open up another spot for someone to replace him. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you look at the guys that transferred out, um, I mean... I don't think you'll miss any of them. Yeah, there's like, I mean, both quarterbacks, like you got Caleb Williams, you've got a better quarterback than probably all those guys. If you want to look at USC's thin at running back, like a Keenan Kristen or Brandon Campbell, potentially, 
Um, but yeah, I think everyone else you're looking at, I mean, you know, like a Brew McCoy has the potential, but there was just, those are, that's not just like a football thing for him. Cause that's off the field kind of stuff. Uh, you know, like an Ishmael Softshore, you thought, oh, he was going to be good coming from Alabama. He never contributed at all, you know? So oh. not a ton of, if you look at the, the stats, it's just not a lot of contributors that had left. Trigg, I think, could have been one that was like more of a difference maker, so. I think Campbell, I think Campbell could have fit in. I think he was an outstanding young kid that came in. Uh, I think, personally, I think Campbell would have been number two as far as with the backs that I saw on Saturday. Interesting. I don't. I just didn't see enough of him. I like Barlow a lot. I like Austin Jones a lot. So I. I don't know if I would put him above those guys, but I just haven't seen enough out of out of Campbell. But uh, yeah, he's no, not around. No, anymore. I just saw him, I, Ryan. I just saw him in individual drills. But he's a studly guy, and he gives you a big. He's a bigger back, and you need to have a sometimes a, a bigger back. And uh, I don't know. I will never know. Yeah. This, so we had some people talk about this. Uh, there was a text message that said, for the podcast, I really enjoyed watching the entire spring game from outside the Coliseum in my car on my phone while trying to park. Wife and I always take the subway, but this time we drove because we were taking the kids and the subway wasn't safe. I, I prepaid for parking, but by the time we made it to Expo Park, the structure was full. So he had his family get out to watch the game and they didn't miss it while well, he tried to park around the Coliseum. He said it was all full. Uh, he said, he said many people seemed like they never made it inside as well. Um, I was not down there uh, cause I was still in my little uh, COVID quarantine. Um, so I watched everything from home. Uh, I So, but I, I didn't get that from a lot of people, but a couple of people had said they really had a hard time with that. I think you had to get there pretty early, but any, any thoughts on, the parking and, and getting in and out, Coach. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. The parking thing is the biggest thing that discourages people. They had a some type of book reading or book uh, thing on campus. Where there was there a, were festi- a lot of yeah, people. festival of books uh, for the right. times, yeah. So there were a lot of people down there. And uh, I had the same problem in the structure. You know where the media people park in that structure there right to the west of the field of the Coliseum. When we went in, when I went in, I went down to the third level. And it was everything was taken care of. And this is early because I got there at 10 and uh, went down to third level. So you know what that means when you get out, don't you? You're the last ones to get out. So it took about an hour, not an hour, but, you know, 30, 40 minutes for it to clear out as far as for the people above me because they're going to get out before you are to get out of it. So it's not a, uh, a wonderful feeling when you can't get out of a building or when you can't. Uh, find a place to park. And I think that was one thing that was my number one concern. I talked about it on other shows was they've got to have better outside control with people in traffic control as far as the way people are going and where parking is and more information centers. So people know where they can park because basically people get discouraged. That's the first impression. When you go to a scrimmage, you're already mad before you get there or get inside because you've had to walk a long ways or you can't find a place to park or whatever. So parking is a problem down at USC. It's basically a problem. So uh, I don't know how to, what the answer is except for having better people. When you try to get off the off-ramps at Exposition or Martin Luther King, they're all backed up. Because down there where you get off the freeway, there's no one there when you make the turn 
to uh, run the traffic through. It just stops you go by what the traffic signal is. And that just doesn't work because uh, people just sit there and and uh, they're even backed up on the freeway. So, you know, that doesn't give you a good feeling when you're going to an event. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what they can do with that. I'm building a huge museum right next to the Coliseum. I'm sure that'll help. Uh, there is parking underneath. I think the parking for the museum is already open. That was the, the first stage. And then uh, the museum itself will be later. Uh, we got one last one. Gary, class of 1975. He says, I'm old fashioned and I'm definitely not a fan of NIL or the transfer portal. They have changed college football as I know it and are making college sports about where can I get paid the most and instant gratification. Anyway, my question is about gender equity. Have any female athletes made the kind of NIL money that a Caleb Williams or Bryce Young are making? If female athletes can't sign the kind of NIL deals that the guys are getting, do you think there will be a Title IX kind of rule put into place to get them equal money? Maybe that will end this or put a reasonable cap on it. Thanks and fight on, Gary Class of 1975. And real quick, I haven't heard of any, but I know like um, there were, uh, I think a pair of twins basketball players at Fresno State that entered the transfer portal. They have huge social media presence and they can make a lot of money. The gymnast at, at UCLA was getting millions of views on her like perfect 10 scores. Like there's potential male, female, whatever, if you're going to have a huge social media presence, if you get videos that have millions of views, they can make a lot of money uh, on things like that. So I don't know if it would be, you know, and that could lead to sponsorships and things like, you know, Beats Headphones sponsors Caleb Williams, and he had his own booth there of, uh, you know, Caleb Williams gear at the at the Coliseum on Saturday. But I feel there's avenues for this. It's really just, if you have a huge following, male or female, you can get paid. Uh, but any any thoughts on that, Coach? Yeah, I'm against anybody getting paid. Male or female makes no difference. I think you're already getting paid when you get your athletic scholarship. Most people have to pay for that. That's like getting paid 70000 a year. You've heard me talk about this before, tax-free, uh, with all the benefits of that other students don't have as far as training table, and we'll go into that on and on and on. But uh, it comes, things change. I don't think the coaches like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think administrators like it, but it's somebody's rights to be able to do that now. So there's got to be some control put on it some way, and then nobody's come up with the answer yet. So until someone comes up with the answer, this is going to continue. And uh, uh, that's just the way it is. Some of us old folks don't believe in it because uh, it's not fair as far as one guy getting more than the others on a team. Yet they understand they're great players, but still, you know, you all win together, you all lose together type of attitude. And uh, But, you know, that's not the way it is. So the the one thing, I mean, you could argue like the collectives and just paying players to be on the team. And I mean, I I get it. You can talk about that. The, the issue I have for sure and something that needed to be fixed was if I'm a long snapper at USC and I make a YouTube video of me snapping the ball because USC had one of these guys before, like snap trick snaps, you know, snapping the ball through a car window as it's driving by and goes into a trash can or off the top of a building through a basketball hoop. And that gets like millions of views. If I'm me, Ryan Abraham, and I make a video that gets millions of views and people like it, I get paid for that. Like I can make money off of these videos I've made. The NCAA wasn't allowing them to make money off their own videos that they would make because they were associated somehow with the sport that they played. Um, Are you against something like that, coach? Nope. 
they can make their own money off their Instagram page or their YouTube page. I agree with that 100%. Because that's your own initiative. That's what you try to do is teach people to be uh, have ideas and go for it, start businesses and do it. And you're exactly right. They limited people from doing that. You couldn't do that. You couldn't make any money on your ideas or anything outside. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Why do you go to college? To learn. Why do you go to college? To sometimes make mistakes. But at least you find out what the business world is all about. And if you have an idea, utilize it. Get on Shark Tank if you can. Get on, do whatever you can do. I mean, I think that's what the American dream is. Yeah, when they, like, was it Jeremy Bloom, the Colorado skier? Like, they wouldn't let, he was like an Olympic skier and they wouldn't let him do endorsements because he was playing college football. Like, that kind of stuff is really dumb. So, um, but you're right. I think there needs to be some more, some guidelines to what's going on because it's pretty much the wild, wild west out there. But they needed to fix some of this because there were just, opportunities where yeah if you're if i'm a violinist and i go to school for usc on a violin scholarship or whatever you know music scholarship and i get to play in some uh concert somewhere and uh you know part of a symphony some some orchestra thing i can get paid for that because i'm really good at playing the violin and they wouldn't let players get paid you know outside of what they were doing you know outside of school for things they were doing just because it was somehow associated with that sport but We'll see. Hopefully, I mean, there's going to be changes to the NIL and all that stuff down the road. We'll see uh, if what they do, make it better, make it worse. Who knows? The NCAA, they can always make it worse. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Uh, but coach, great stuff. It was fun uh, chatting about the game. Any final thoughts on USC spring game 2022? Well, uh, no, just that uh, if you haven't seen it, you might be able to still watch it or go to ESPN somehow and find it i think it's interesting and if you were at the game you know you sometimes don't see as closely as you can on television so go back and you know the back and forth and look at it like coaches look at it you'll be able to get a better evaluation of what's going on but otherwise i think it was a great spring and now we move forward and then the recruiting never ends and uh i don't know if there's ever a break anywhere but uh ryan it's great to be able to do this podcast with you we thank all of you out there for being with us and uh, if you have additional questions please let us know yeah sounds good coach uh thank you for everything everyone else yeah please uh, we'll have chris trevino on again this week um doing more podcasts we'll do more recruiting podcasts with gerard martinez and chris trevino their composite two-star podcast so we'll keep doing the podcast going through this off season there'll be stuff to talk about obviously with the transfer portal and recruiting and all of that so uh, we really appreciate you listening in. Hope you guys enjoyed all of our coverage for USC Spring Football 2022. That'll put a bow on it here on the podcast side. So for Harvey Hyde, I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.